0: Hey, this is Jay, and this is episode two of the My VA Journey podcast series. So before I get into today's episode and what we're going to be talking about, I'm just going to do a brief recap of what I talked about in the first episode. Last episode, I gave a series overview, just talked about what I'm going to try to accomplish uh, throughout this entire series. I gave a little bit. Of information on my background and my military service and uh some of my experiences uh going through the va and i ended last episode talking about try to file a va claim which is you want to go to the doctor and you want to get any of the symptoms or issues you've been dealing with documented by a medical professional before you try to Uh, Work on uh, on submitting a claim You know and this is if you're going to a private doctor or you're already getting a VA health care You just want to make sure that anything that you feel may be service-connected is being documented by a medical professional So today's episode I'm gonna discuss uh, requesting your medical records I'm also going to talk about a little bit about title thirty eight CFR part four and i 'm going to wrap it up with talking about lay statements and buddy letters and you know what you need to do as far as getting those submitted uh, with your claim so let 's start off with requesting your medical records and again i 'm just going to give you the process that I went through in uh, in doing this stuff uh, you don't have to have your medical records to, to file a VA claim, but it helps as far as if you've received any treatment uh, for anything while in service that you, you know, by having your medical records, you know that that's in there. And it doesn't help also if you have your, me- your medical records, when you submit your claim, you submit uh, those forms, not your entire medical records, but just a section of your your medical records that deal with any treatment. Uh, you may have received while in service. You know, you just wanna print off those few pages that dealt with maybe you, you know, you, you hurt your leg doing something and you went to the to the sick call and they gave you some ibuprofen or, you know, they said you sprained your ankle and, you know, they gave you an ice pack or, or whatever they would give you for that. You just wanna, wanna make sure, cause that should be in your medical records And then you can simply just print off those pages and highlight it and submit that with your claim. Again, you don't have to because the VA will be able to pull all of this when you submit your claim. They'll be able to see all of this. I recommend uh, sending that in with your gay claim because the thing to keep in mind throughout this entire process is you're not dealing with a computer you're not dealing with the machine you're dealing with human beings you know so you want to make the process not just for yourself but for the person that's making the decision that will be making the decision on your claim as easy as possible you don't want them to have to go hunt down information you know I'm not, I'm not saying that I know what they do before or during Uh, their decision-making process but what i'm saying is i'm trying to see it from their perspective as far as you know the hundreds and the thousands of things that they're dealing with uh, day in day out that you want to make it as easy on them as possible when they get to your file so you want to request your military records or your medical records if you don't have them already there is a site that you can go to and uh Wherever I'm going to post this, I should be able to include a link, but I'll read off the link for you. It's www.archives.gov veterans military hyphen service hyphen records. Now you should be able to put that straight into your web browser. If not, you can just put in it in like an internet search bar. And uh, it should take you to a page, it'll say National Archives at the very top. Uh, and it'll say Veteran Service Records. And it should say, uh, Request Military Service Records. And it'll give you a, a brief uh, description of, of what they provide. And, uh, and then in the first box, it'll say, what are you know, looking for, question mark. And through this online, Uh, site Uh, you can request your D214 or separation papers uh, your OMPF official military personnel file uh, replacement medals, and medical and health records so what you'll do here is you will fill this form out online and then print it off and you could either fax it or mail it and it will at the end of it, they'll give you uh, the information as far as where you need to mail it or fax it to, uh, depending on your years of service and your branch of service. Uh, they'll they'll give you the information that you need to send it to. Again, you don't need it to file a VA claim. Uh, this just helps you and it helps uh, the folks that will be making the decision on your claim once you submit this information. And uh, it. Keep in mind, this, this takes a while. Uh, I think when I first requested my uh, medical records, it took maybe two or three months and then it eventually came on a, on a CD, a compact disc. And uh, it, it, had every, it had everything in there, just stuff that I didn't even remember, you know, uh, filling out or uh, surveys that were uh, filled out like after deployments that you'd have to sit down with someone and they'll ask you a bunch of questions. Like there was stuff in there from that that I I didn't even remember, and uh, yeah, and it's just something you want to have and expect it to take a long time, and expect you know probably having to call, uh, because I th- I believe there's numbers at the at the end of it uh, that tell you where you should call to check on them and the pro uh, the the status of your request. So you know, so yeah, just get your medical records. You know if if nothing else for yourself next we're gonna talk a little bit about title 38 of the codes of federal federal regulation part 4 now if you're not familiar with what CFR is codes of federal regulation uh, this is just the regulations that any government agency or any uh, department of government have to go by as far as this is what when government officials make certain decisions they, they have to refer to these uh, CFRs Code of federal regulation and the VA is no different in that aspect uh, they there's certain rules and, and certain guidelines that dictate uh, how they make certain decisions and let's see I'll just go to the top of the page and this just helps as far as uh, informing yourself with uh, what you need to know about their process and how they come about making decisions. You know, it says, you know, here, you know, re- reasonable doubt, uh, you know, there's certain things that they have to interpret it a certain way if your your documentation states certain things. Uh, it talks about how to evaluate the evidence you provide uh, and a whole slew of things. Uh, I'll also include the link for that, or the link that I have for it, that, uh, that's been able to get me to that page. And uh, that link is, and this may or may not be correct, but uh, I'll read it off and I'll include the link. Uh, it's https colon slash slash echo seer. oh, excuse me echo charlie fox romeo dot india oscar that's I O slash title hyphen three eight slash pt papa tango three eight dot one dot four and this is going to list the cfr it's the title of it is va schedule of ratings and this is going to list every uh disability or every uh yeah, every symptom that a person uh can be diagnosed with or that a person can claim uh for a disability uh through the va and just to give an example just gonna go to one that's uh, very common amongst veterans uh, which is sleep apnea. I think it's also called o s a a obstructive sleep disorder, uh, or OSD. And uh, th- this is pretty common among veterans. I know a few veterans uh, that have been diagnosed with sleep apnea. Uh, I personally haven't, but uh, I-, I know a few that have. And uh, I'm just gonna read off just the criteria for it. And what it gives here is the, uh, the symptoms and then the rating for that symptom of sleep apnea syndromes, uh, obstructive central or, or mixed. So we'll start at, uh, at the 0% rating. So for a 0% rating, uh, it says here, asymptomatic but with documented sleep disorder, breathing. Asymptomatic, meaning showing no evidence of disease so showing no evidence of disease but with documented sleep disorder breathing and so with documented sleep disorder maybe you're, you're you've been diagnosed with snoring or, or something to that of that nature uh but there's no evidence of it you'll get a rating from the VA which is 0% which means you, you won't be paid any uh compensation money on a monthly basis but you are, I do believe that qualifies you to receive VA health care. If that's what you're going for. Uh, so, and that's the 0% rating for sleep apnea. Uh, at 30% persistent daytime, hypo hyper somnolence. I can pronounce that word, but pretty much what that means is persistent daytime drowsiness, persistent daytime. Uh, sleepiness, uh, you know, maybe you got to take naps or you doze off uh, At places or while you're watching TV or something, you know, that that's what that is and that's a 30% rating and then from there It goes to 50% So a 50% rating uh, Requires use of breathing assistance device such as continuous airway pressure machine or a CPAP machine and once they issue you that machine that that's usually uh consistent with a 50% uh disability rating you know and and that's this is just for sleep apnea and there there's a slew of other uh disabilities here uh that you might have to go through and I I recommend just hitting control F and anything that you have or may feel that you have uh you could just put that in the search bar and and uh, search for it that way and it will show you the symptoms associated with that uh that disorder or that uh that issue or that or that uh, uh ail- ailment or illness uh, and we back to the sleep apnea so there's 100% a hundred percent disability rating for sleep apnea and the symptoms for that uh, that they have stated here is chronic respiratory failure with carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide retention or core pulmonary, or requires tracheotomy, I believe that's how you say that word, and though so that seems like it requires surgery and, and that's the only way they'll rate you at one hundred percent for sleep apnea and like I said, this was just an example uh just to read to you uh what is in the title thirty eight cFR part four uh There's a whole bunch of other, uh, literature here that you can read through and browse through and I bring this up because for some of this, uh, you want to make sure that, that, you know, when you go to your doctor and you get diagnosed with some of this stuff, uh, that, you know, sleep apnea is a little different because there, you know, you can go to your doctor and request a sleep study. Uh, but for stuff like anxiety disorders and other mental illnesses, there are criteria for that, that you may not be aware of that, uh, you need to explain to your, your medical professional that, Hey, you know, this is what I am going through and they'll, they'll put it against what's here in this, uh, CFR, uh, part four and as far as what your VA claim, that's how they'll make their decision uh, based on that. But today I'm just discussing the the CFR uh, Title 38 Part 4, just to give you an overview of uh, something that you can look at to see uh, where you rank with certain uh, syndromes or certain disabilities that you, you feel you may have that are service connected and you just wanna familiarize yourself with it. Uh, depending on what you're going to claim with the VA I I know there's stuff in here about back injuries uh, leg injuries uh, knee injuries or range of motion uh, and you just want to familiarize yourself with everything here I'm not gonna go too in-depth with it uh, just because you can spend all day I probably all week uh, going through uh, every uh, every disability here and the symptoms associated with that disability but if you've never heard of this this is a great place to start as far as reading and seeing just what you may have and what qualifies uh, for a VA disability you know and uh, I know another one that you can look at it it's probably headaches and, and and I'm not gonna read it here today but that's something that it gives you a, a list of criteria uh, that qualifies for uh, certain disabilities and Like I said, this, this this thing of us normalizing, uh, things that we've been experiencing over time that we may not think anything of it, but it, it affects our lives in major ways. And you simply don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And this is just a great place to start in looking for, uh, your symptoms and trying to identify what disabilities your symptoms may be associated with, you know, And part of this too is just equipping yourself with information so when you go and talk to doctors and go and talk to your physician, you can better communicate to them what you're experiencing. You know, it kind of, it helps you out and it helps them to be able to help you. And so definitely uh, spend some time looking at the Title 38 CFR part four. And lastly, I'd like to talk about uh, lay statements, and buddy letters. So let's start Let's start with buddy letters because some of you may or may not have heard of uh, buddy letters and why that's important to your claim and how you go about getting buddy letters. So there is an official form for uh, buddy letters that you uh, submit with your claim. Uh, the form is VA Form 21-4138 and the title of the form is statement in support of claim now i had one of these filled out for uh, for my claim actually let me let me tell you about my buddy sam so my buddy sam uh submitted his claim and the first time around the claim was denied and uh, when the VA denies your claim, they send you paperwork explaining why it was denied, why you may have these symptoms symptoms or these uh, disabilities, but they're not service connected. Meaning they're not denying that whatever you say is wrong with you is wrong with you, but there's not enough information submitted with your claim to service connect uh, your, your, your disability. So here is where uh, statements in support of your claim come in. Some people call them buddy statements or or, uh, buddy letters, but the official title is statement in support of claim. Uh, Before I get into that, I will say you don't need the official form. Uh, If you have friends from when you're in the military, friends from when you're in service, uh, they can just type out a word document or handwrite a a letter for you. Linking you uh, to the situation or linking you to your time in service and when you started uh, Experiencing the disability or the symptoms of of what you're trying to claim and Let's see the buddy letter. So When the claim was denied when Sam's claim was denied uh, He reached out to some friends of his from the time he was uh, in service and they, they hooked them up pretty much. They helped them out. Uh, they wrote statements, uh, in support of his claim. They said, Hey, you know, and a statement when some when you get someone to write a statement for you, you want to give them the criteria for it. So you want to say, Hey, I I know Sam from, you know, when he, him and I were in training together, him and I got stationed together together at our duty station, him and I deployed together and This is how I saw Sam change over time. From when I first met Sam, to uh, uh, deployments or time in service, and then I saw uh, uh, his condition degrade or deteriorate. You know, I saw changes in his behavior or the changes in in his physical uh, health and bodily health and ability, you know. Or or I was there when uh, Sam, you know, fell off that aircraft or when Sam, you know, got in that vehicle vehicle accident. So th- this is where, you know, reaching out to people that you served with, uh, preferably officers and NCOs, uh, officers and uh, non-commissioned officers, but even just your buddy, uh, your peer while while you're in service, uh, anything that, you know, a statement from someone else who is with you that can connect you to the, to the situation that prompted the disability, that, that helps a lot, that, that goes a far way. Uh, and these statements that, you know, in service uh, or getting a letter from somebody that you served with, uh, help is helpful. Also statements from friends and family members, uh, go a long way. Uh, statements from spouses, uh, siblings, parents, uh, these things go a long way. Uh, I know my friend Sam, she, uh, she had her brother living with her for a certain amount of time. And during that time, you know, her brother was able to see, you know, the, the difference because, you know, Sam's brother knew how she was before she entered the military. And since she got out, uh, her brother saw that some of her behaviors had changed and, you know, certain things were affecting her life. And so just a simple statement of that, a sibling or a friend that's close to you that can say, hey, you know, I noticed how Sam changed over time after uh, being in the military. Uh, can go can go a long way uh, with your VA claim. So back to Sam, uh, his initial claim got denied, just not service connected and after that uh you see the paperwork from the va saying why it was uh disapproved and there was at the time in that letter there was uh a section that there's a appeal section and tells you about the appeals process and filing a, a notice of disagreement but there was also a small section that said your your claim is still open if you can submit supporting evidence or supporting documentation uh as soon as possible they didn't give a date or a time frame of what as soon as possible meant but it was pretty much maybe with, within a two month period sam had uh, gathered supporting documentation and they, they give an address or not that they give an address but they tell you to send it to the address from where you got the letter from from the va saying that your claim was disapproved and within a, I think a two or three months, Sam was able to gather uh, lay statements and, and uh, buddy letters and wrote a lay statement and sent it to that address. And that uh, disapproval was overturned and uh, Sam ended up uh, getting a service connected disability and uh, winning uh, his claim. And that, that's what you may have to do. And at the time, Sam didn't know that he he should have included these documents. And so better to have it and do it right the first time and that should make for a smoother process. Uh, but yeah, you want these statements in support of claim, your buddy letters. Uh, just anybody you, ser- you served with, anybody that was there at the time, uh, that helps. Uh, letters from family members, parents, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, close cousins, uh, friends and family, coworkers. Uh, These statements help, you know, and again, there's a ton of uh, information on the Internet, a ton of information on on YouTube as far as uh, learning or knowing how to fill out and what type of information you need to put in these letters uh, to to tell the story of of what you're trying to convey uh, to the person that's going to be examining uh, this paperwork and making the decision on your behalf. Uh, to whether your claim is approved or denied. And uh, so you want you want to gather that information. Also, lay statements. So also with the buddy letters, Sam submitted a lay statement. Now, a lay statement is you telling your story. That's what a lay statement is. Uh, from what I've seen in your lay statement, you just want to... You wanna lay out your time in service. You wanna lay out uh we'll take my lay statement for example. You wanna talk about uh years in service. You know, I was in the military from this this date to this date, uh any deployments you may have went on. Uh again, I'm I'm kinda uh focusing a lot of this information on uh Gulf War vets and, and folks that have deployed uh only because that's like the perspective I'm uh, experiencing all of this from and the experiences I've lived through. Uh, So that I I feel I'm more, you know, qualified to speak on that side. So if you you haven't deployed or you're not a veteran of, you know, OIF, OEF uh, or the first Gulf War or or any other uh, conflicts uh, that the military has been engaged in, uh, this, this may or may not apply to you is what I'm saying so in the lay statement you just want to lay out uh your dates of service uh dates of deployments you want to lay out what you did on deployments you know for you know claims involving uh maybe uh, anxiety or or depression disorders you want to lay out uh, things you experienced on deployments uh you know, whether it's, you know, convoys or or engagement with the enemy or attacks and things of that nature, you want to lay all that out in your lay statement, you know, uh, saying I deployed from 2004 to 2005, and these are the things, you know, this was my job while I was in, while deployed, I I may have had to do some other things, and these are the things that happened to me in my unit during that time, and I feel that, this is how those things affected me, uh, during that time. You know, you talk about your time overseas, you talk about your time, uh, when you came back and how you're different now, opposed to when you first deployed, you know, maybe mood changes or irritability, things of that nature. And your late statement, some people say you want to make it about a page. Uh, I've heard them being as extensive as, uh, five to 10 pages. I think mine was only maybe two, two and a half pages, but you just want to lay it, just lay it all out. You, you know, tell the story, you know, and this, you can, you can handwrite it. Uh, I prefer typing. So you, you know, just, that makes it way more legible for the person that has to read it. I, I suggest using a larger font. Like people usually recommend a 12, uh, point font. I'd say use a 14 point font. Uh, something bigger easier easier for folks to read because you understand the person that is gonna have to read this one day uh, when you send it all in uh, you want it to stand out you know so you want it to be bigger you want it to make it easier on their eyes because they're reading yours along with dozens of other uh, lay statements and and VA claim and documentation so you just want to make it Easier on the person that's gonna be reading this to make a decision on your claim you know, and this this goes back to just Making it easier uh, or understanding that the person on the other end making this decision is also human So you kind of got to see it from their perspective, but uh, yeah, in your lay statement you want to Again with it, you want to just document You know all your experiences or or if you were involved in an accident just where you were what happened uh how did that affect you uh how did that alter you know your your day to day after the accident you know and maybe you you injured your shoulder it's like now you know i can't lift my hand above my head uh that's impaired me the pain and just things of that nature you know again, i'm not completely familiar with certain bodily injuries but uh in your lay statement, that's, that's just look at it as your opportunity to tell your story, you know, that's all it is. That's all a lay statement is you're, you're telling your story, your time and service, uh, the things that have happened to you and why you feel that the military is responsible for what happened to you. Yeah. You know? And that's about it for this episode. You know, I talked about requesting your medical records. Uh, what you need to do to to get those understand that the process is going to be slow Uh, talked about title 38 of the CFR part 4 which has to do with the VA uh, rating system and the schedule of ratings Uh, that's definitely something you should be familiar with Uh, and understanding the the things listed there and how they may uh, apply to you And that's definitely going to, I won't say come in handy, but understanding that if you're able to communicate effectively with the doctor and and speak in language that they understand, uh, this will help them uh, better diagnose you. And this will, this will essentially help them help you. And lastly, I talked about buddy letters and lay statements and the importance of those the importance of your lay statement and just telling your story and understanding that, you know, it's you, you know, you telling them, Hey, this is, this is my truth. This is what happened to me. And you just don't hold back. Just be vulnerable. Uh, When you're writing a lay statement, depending on what you're writing about, you you may want to have a a friend or two uh, on speed dial, to you know because after you you know you talk about these things depending on the mood that you're going to be in afterwards you may need someone to talk to uh, and i also talked about buddy letters just the importance of having uh, someone or multiple people not yourself uh, link you to uh, your time and service and the thing that may have happened or the, the accident that happened that is that led to your disability or contributed to your disability. And uh and that's it for today. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Also, uh let me know if uh I I'm rushing the information or if I'm uh, just, you know, rushing through it. I'm trying not to make these episodes too long. I know uh people have better things to do than sitting listen to 20 30 minutes of a person talking. Uh So, yeah, definitely let me know if I need to slow it down or if there's things I need to go more in depth with, you know, something you may not understand or something I could try to explain better. uh, Let me know. And uh, I'll definitely include an email uh, for anybody that, you know, if you just need someone to talk to or someone to reach out to and kind of help you through the thing, you know, it's a a long, arduous, uh, slow process. Uh, nothing's fast you know, with the government, as most of us know. Uh, nothing's fast. So it's just about having the patience and sticking with it. Thank you for listening. I, I hope you found some, found some value in what I talked about today. And I'll see you next time.